Barbie Does Dating. I am your host, Miss Barbie Berg. We are here with my producer, Nick Galetti. Hello. And Steve Solberg is not here. He is in Nepal? Yeah. The, he's hiking to base camp. For Everest. Yes. I didn't really know where that was. <laughs> and so he just kept showing pictures of Kathmandu in Nepal. That's it. And so I guess this will come out after. He's probably already back. But if you go to his Instagram page, Steve Solberg, you can follow along with all of his adventures. It's been really cool. Yeah. All the yak videos have been very neat. <laughs> so With the bells. So I, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lots yes. of bells. So many bells. And you know Steve is obsessed with dogs. And so there's a thousand r- stray dogs out there. Uh, and he's always with them. Every picture. Look, I got to pet a dog. I got to pet a dog. I'm like, you're at Everest. And he's like, there's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I have brought on a guest that I am very excited about. My therapist, Michelle Pomeroy. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I did talk about Michelle once or twice before, and I did mention that I graduated from therapy. Yeah. Would you like to explain what that means? Because I think people are just like, you just stopped going. <laughs> yeah. Like She told it, me I could. Yeah. It's a tough thing to figure out. When am I done with therapy? Yeah. Because, it, you know, for some people it's ongoing. For other people, it's like, all right, I have this goal and I met the goal. And so now I'm done. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a break. I have seen a therapist for lots of years and just ongoing, but you just kind of got to a point where you were like, hey, it was I almost, think I'm done. Yeah, it was like, I honestly sat there and I was like, I don't think I have any more to say about this. She was like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. So I just want to do a shout out for her. I just adore you. Like, I cannot say enough wonderful things about her. So if anyone is looking for a therapist for yourself, you do couples stuff, right? Do yes, you? a lot yeah. of couples. Yep. A lot of couples, things like that. But she really helped me with kind of like grieving a life I didn't have after I learned that I was diagnosed with ADHD and just kind of realizing like a lot of things that could have been and being okay with myself and realizing I'm not a horrible broken person. It's just this is the way I am and it's okay. She has helped me so much. I just adore you. Oh, I cannot I say adore enough you. <laughs> Every time say. I walk out into the waiting room, I'm like, I get to see Barbie today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great, my mess is coming. <laughs> Enjoy. So if you are looking for a therapist, her name is Michelle Pomeroy and her website is diagonal.house because her therapy clinic, the no, business name, the business yeah. name is Diagonal House. Yep. And she'll tell you all about it, or you can see it on the website. It's really interesting. So we decided, she gave us a bunch of different options of what we could talk about tonight. And she said, what if there's one of them, it's not you, it's me. Wait, no, it's our dynamic, which I loved. Yes. Because I think there's a lot of us that are like, oh, he didn't like me, or she didn't like me, or whatever it was. And it's like, the truth is, it's really dynamic. Yeah. If you're not going to fit, you're not going to fit. Right. Totally. Yes. So... Tell me a basics about that Reader's Digest kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of natural tendency that when we're trying to make sense of experiences that don't go well or, mm-hmm. you know, things that aren't fitting or working out, we just have this tendency of wanting to either put it on somebody else or like make it about us. Like, and it can kind of go into that blame place of it's all his fault or it's all her fault or it's kind of the other side of that is like a shame place. Like, well, it was because of me. I wasn't good enough or I'm a bad person. And if mm-hmm. only I had, you know, it's it's my fault. And, if you know, that sort of thinking. And a lot of times, a lot of my work with couples is to just help them learn that it's actually neither. It's the way the interaction happened where things go south. And okay. so, yeah, it's the dynamic. It's the fit. It's whether or not you can play together nicely, that mm-hmm. whether it works out or not. So, So tell me your thoughts about... 
So is that more about you look at it in different ways of like, oh, based on the conflict that happened or a breakup? Or is it just lots of different ways that you could apply that? Actually, that applies to every single interaction we have with every single person. That's true. Right. So you can look at this with your parents. You can look at this with your friends. But it it gets really heightened in romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's really common for a couple to come in with a conflict. And I'll be like, all right, let's try to figure this out. Because Typically, a very typical scenario is one person is blaming and the other person is kind of shaming themselves. And mm-hmm. so we're, we kind of work through that to help them figure out, oh, well, it's neither or it's both, I mm-hmm. guess, however you want to talk about that. Okay. That. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in dating, I'm going to just say dating because yep. our, our podcast is about dating. Totally. Yep. It is? I know. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Nick's always like, what if we did more stuff about when you're in an actual relationship? I'm like, yeah, I don't have a ton of experience with that. So we're just going to keep going for the beginning stages. <laughs> Poor Nick. He's been married for how long? 20? 22. 22 years. Five 22 kids. 22 and a half. Yeah. Very happy. Ooh. And how many cats? <laughs> right now? Because we're fostering? 10. Uh, 10. Yeah, it's a but lot of cats. They're so cute. They're little kittens. If anyone needs a kitten, let him know. He will have some available for adoption and they're darling. So with dating, Uh here's the thought that keeps going into my head. Like, when do you know if it is enough of a conflict that like this just isn't going to mesh for us together? Like Mm -hmm. Like when it's a deal breaker? Yeah, kind of like, yeah, kind of like this is showing me all the signs of we are just not going to fit and be compatible. Yeah. That's the thought that keeps coming to my head. Yes. And that's, that's like something... It's understandable that you would want to know at the beginning of the relationship, but it's kind of one of those things that takes a while to figure out. Mm -hmm. And I think a really good place to start is understanding that, you know, we kind of get into these cycles of how we relate to people. We all kind of underneath everything, we just want to know that we matter. We have these what we refer to as attachment needs in, Mm -hmm. in my line of work, right? And we all have them and they're kind of individual and they depend on the person. But at the same time, you can kind of boil it down to I want to matter to somebody that matters to me. That's really kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. However, what we kind of don't understand a lot of the time is when those needs are not being met, what do I do? How do I show up in the relationship when those things are not being met? Mm-hmm. And kind of when we get to that deal breaker place, that's really what we're looking at is, are those attachment needs being met? And am I meeting my partner's attachment needs? It it takes a little bit of digging because we kind of have to dig down underneath the thoughts and the feelings and um, the ways that we cope to kind of get to this core of, okay, I really understand myself now and I really understand what I need in the relationship. And can I be honest with myself and say whether or not this relationship is meeting those needs? Because a couple can really get along well when both of them are having their needs met. But as soon as those needs go unmet, that's when it becomes chaos in a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's when dysfunction starts happening. So do you think, so when you talk about, is it like your attachment style? Is that kind of what it's we're related. talking about? It's okay. related, yeah. But it's like, well, I can give you a story. Yes, that please. Helps. Like, I love that. This comes from somebody, okay, it's myself. <laughs> 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 and so... Just super early on in my marriage, in my relationship, this is when we started to kind of develop this little cycle between the two of us where um, very memorable time for me was having our first child 
And it was rough. It was like one of the hardest, probably still one of the hardest times of my life as I look back. Just so, so difficult. We were living in Irvine, California. My husband was in a really hard graduate program, like hating it, so stressed out all the time. And so here I am feeling isolated and overwhelmed at home with this new baby. And I had been so used to being a busy student and working. And then all of a sudden I'm just at home with this baby. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? And I'm having postpartum depression and I'm leaking fluids. And I don't know. <laughs> right. It's like all this Yum. hard stuff. <laughs> and having a newborn is hot. Right. <laughs> so it was like such a huge, hard change. And I started noticing that I would like check the clock constantly. Just so like anticipating my husband coming home, like, oh, I just, you know, this has been such a hard day. So I'm like watching the clock from four o'clock to five o'clock. Like he's, you know, when is he going to be home? So excited for him to get home. And then as soon as he came home, I would be like cold and like bratty to him. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Really? Just kind of like bugged. Like you're so annoying, right? (laughs) And so it was like, my poor husband, you know, he, he's and then he would run in, run through the door and he'd be like panicked and like on eggshells and he would like jump in and try to help out. And and then this started to like become a thing. It became a thing where it's like he always felt like I was mad at him and I was always mad at him, I guess, honestly. <laughs> and so it was like, OK, so what's actually going on here? Like what's really going on? And it took some time, therapy, some self-exploration, some reflection to be able to go, okay, so beneath the like being mad and bugged at him and telling him that he's not doing enough or whatever, you know, like, hey, I need you to be home on time. You're five minutes late. You know, underneath that, underneath the feelings of overwhelm, underneath the story of he doesn't care was just this recognition that I just needed him to recognize and see what was actually going on for me, how my world had literally been turned upside down. And for me, that attachment need for me is like to be seen, to be understood, Mm -hmm. right? And for him to witness my struggle. That's really what it comes down to for me. And my husband, you know, He's also been to therapy alongside me <laughs> and um, and with a little bit of understanding for him, like his attachment needs were a little bit different, but in the same vein of he needed to know he mattered. But we were showing each other the complete opposite mm-hmm. of that, right? Well, really what it comes down to is like, okay, you have the conflict or you have the interaction, but what's driving it are these is the unmet attachment needs. I am an anxious, attached person, Mm -hmm. and my husband is more of the avoidant. And through time, we have developed a more secure relationship. But it, I mean, we're kind of talking about similar things, but they're not the same. Attachment needs are not the same as attachment style. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. I don't know if that kind of helps with that little bit of illustration to understand. That helped me. Yeah. Because you hear about the attachment stuff and all I think about is like anxious, avoidant, and yeah. neutral. What is it? Yeah. I mean, secure. I secure. Secure. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Okay. So. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And then and then I can kind of give you a little bit of a glimpse of what it looks like after 18 years. <laughs> 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 and when we're starting to learn a, th- a few things because like the other night, well, the other day, had a hard day at work, right? 
and started to feel some of the same feelings I had as a new mom. Yeah, right? Overwhelmed, insecure, a little bit isolated. I just kind of recognized that, like having a struggle. And here I was again, like fantasizing or thinking about what it's going to be like to tell my husband about my hard day. Mm -hmm. Same sort of thing. Like he's going to come home and I'm going to be able to like share with him what's going on. So I'm just kind of like holding on like, I want to be able to talk to him about this. It's a hard day. So I get in the car and we're racing to my daughter's basketball game. And I immediately read that his, he's just not in the mindset to be able to listen to me talk about these really hard things Mm -hmm. that that I had going on. Um, he's tense. He's like talking about all these projects he has going on. Right. And he's just like not in that space. So right there, I kind of I had all all of this awareness, actually, of what was going on. Right. So kind of old way of interacting might have looked something like, why don't you listen to me? Or I had a hard day and here you are just talking about yourself or uh, or something totally sideways. Like, why are you late? Right. Like Mm -hmm. some sort of criticism or something. But what I realized is that I needed to lean in and help him feel like he mattered so that he was in a different place Mm -hmm. and a different mindset to then hold what I needed him to hold. So it was a very like intentional experience, like put my hand on his back and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, how was work? You know, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Tell me about it. You know, that sounds really stressful and hard. And I saw a literal physical change where he just kind of like, oh, yeah, OK. And then I was like, wow, there he is. OK, <laughs> now I can tell him about my hard day and actually feel like he sees me. Yeah. And he understands me. And so it's like this dance idea. Right. Yeah. Like, was it his fault no, was it my fault? No, no. But there, it, it's the interaction, this dance that we kind of have to get right, where we both have these attachment needs met. Sometimes that means like leaning in and helping him feel secure, so that he can then in turn lean in and help me feel secure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know where I'm. No, I after that. But those are the stories <laughs> that actually helped me a ton. Like it just helps me a lot. Just. Okay, so Nick knows I'm addicted to TikTok. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's probably like intervention time. But <laughs> I really have been following a lot of people. There's one lady that I love called the Dadvocate. And what she is, is she is someone who defends men. Like, she's been married for a long time, and she tries to help people understand, like, this is how guys' brains work. Yeah. And women are like, no, it's not. We're like, yeah, it really is. Like, Uh they're very different than us, and it's okay. But one of the things is... She's always looking at people's videos because there's a big trend right now of basically partner shaming where um, these women are just like, I've had the worst day. Yeah. I've had kids. Da, 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 da. And he comes home and he's like, I need 20 minutes to decompress. Yeah. And they're like, how dare you? Yeah. This is da, 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 da. And they're like, how dare you not be able to help me? You drove home. Totally. And, it, and she was just talking about she's like, you guys are not letting either of you have a chance to give each other what the other person needs. Yeah. By you giving him 10 or 20 minutes, yes, if he disappears for two hours, that's a problem. Yeah. But by you honoring and saying, yes, absolutely, but when you're done, I need you. Right. And it just, I think about that a lot as someone who's never been in a serious long-term relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but that just kind of made me think of that, that it's like sometimes, and I hate to be like, you have to put your needs to the side, but sometimes like you really do have yeah. to... You know, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, he's been at work all day and it's so easy. And it's like, 
well, yes, it's not taking care of screaming children, but jobs aren't easy. Like, it's very stressful. He has a lot on his mind. Let's make sure that we both work with each other. Totally. Yeah. So I was also thinking of a friend of mine that we've kind of talked on about here a little bit is she was in a relationship for seven years. The person honestly just didn't care about her at all. And she just felt neglected and sad all the time. And she's now in a relationship with the most wonderful man. Holy crap. He is amazing. And she's having a hard time right now, though, because she is so independent and she's been having a lot of health problems that are causing her to have to let go of a lot of her independency. Mm-hmm. And she is struggling. Mm-hmm. And she was like, like, she's not supposed to be driving a car for long distances. And she's like, I got on the freeway today. And I'm like, oh, well, why did you do that? Uh... And she's just like, I just needed to know I could do it. And this new boyfriend was like, please don't do that. Or... She has to do water softening like at her, her the place that she works. She has those big bags of salt. And she went and did it on her own. And he was really upset, but not like, how dare you? He was like, I wanted to do that for mm-hmm. you. And she was telling me, she's like, I'm having such a hard time because I'm trying to hold on to any kind of independence that I have. And he's there telling me, I need to do things for you to feel loved and needed. So I need you to let me do these things. And she's just, because it's something she's never had, she's struggling. Totally. And she's yeah. like, but then she gets in her own head. She's like, I don't want to lose this best thing that's ever happened to me, but he's given me no intention that he's leaving. And it just, we get in our heads a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nick, do you have any thoughts about this? I do. I have one thought okay. that makes me very interested to see how you respond. Um, <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, you, your first question after she explained... It's not you, it's me, or wait, it's our dynamic, is it kind of defaulted to the, I guess, that it's a breakup. Yeah. that That's where it leads to. But I Mm -hmm. think, if and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the actual healthy part here is how you can fix and repair it. So I'm curious how this looks in in a dating scenario. Yep. Where you don't have this, I've, I'm committed, I've been in this relationship for 20 years yep. to kind of back it up. How do you, to the person that's been dating a year yeah. and is very serious but isn't having their needs met, mm-hmm. yeah. how do they then look at this, it's not you, it's me, oh wait, it's our dynamic, and stay in the relationship? Mm-hmm. How do they go about fixing it? Or fixing is a terrible word. <laughs> um, but how, do they, how do they address it to heal it? Yeah, that's a really great question because, you know, you don't have the 20 years behind to know how to do it differently necessarily. Or to feel that they're committed. Or to even feel that they're committed. Yeah, absolutely. So I think really a huge part of that is knowing yourself, knowing yourself and knowing what you need. And and then you're going to find evidences of whether or not those can be met in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Even in a year, you'll be able to tell, right? And so it's, I think it really starts with that self-understanding. Like I can look at a relationship with a best friend and say, okay, like, why does that relationship work Mm -hmm. or why does it not? She's been my best friend for 20 years. How does that, what about that actually works in that relationship? Well, I must feel like I matter to her and she must feel like she matters to me, Mm -hmm. right? That's kind of why there's kind of that glue there. So when we look at the kind of the shorter term and we're looking at a new relationship, you can pick up on those things, even in the small ways with 
some awareness of, okay, like for me, I need to feel like I'm seen. I need to feel like I'm heard. I need to feel like I'm understood. And so if I have somebody that like doesn't do that or shows a pattern, I'm always looking at patterns and you can find a pattern in a year. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then believe the pattern, right? Like if you, you can try to fix it, but it's, it is something that's going to take intention and work to understand both parties and how those things interact. You know, and it's interesting, too, because you say that it's our dynamic. A lot of times when you're going into a situation, uh, let's say I'm feeling like I have a need that's not being met or a connection style or whatever yep. that, that I'm not seeing. Yep. Then it's very easy for us to craft in our minds the version of them showing up that is acceptable mm-hmm. to meet that need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not an our dynamic. That's the I, the dynamic I need from you. It's almost right. kind of transactional in some ways. How do you address the idea that, again, we sometimes make up what, how they need to show up? Yeah. It's, are you saying like we, we kind of create this idea of what it should look like? Like what I have this expectation of what the other person needs to do. Yeah. And then we kind of get stuck in that like, well, that's not what it is. And so move on. Right. Uh-huh. How, do, how do you not impose what showing up in air quotes looks like on yeah. the other person when what they might be doing is showing up mm-hmm. in the way they know how to mm-hmm. and, and not want to use the love language thing, but it might be just the, the way they know how to communicate that in a perhaps immature relationship that hasn't had enough time to mature to the 20 year mark or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder what Barbie's thoughts are on oh. that for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was just, just thinking. Just as this, yeah, just kind of like, what if that feels right being single? Like, yeah. what if that, do you want to be like, yeah, that's important, you know? Well, so when Nick brought up, he said, why did your brain automatically go to a breakup? And I realized for me, it's because I stay in relationships too long. Relationships that I have no business being in. These are not going to be good relationships. This is not a lasting thing. I look past a lot of people's, I hate to say red flags, but just our incompatibility. So for me, it was more an automatic thought of, okay, how can I learn like when to cut this relationship off? Because yeah. Yeah. And Nick was saying, how do you make it stick? Stick. Well, those were kind when of it's right ro- yeah. when it's good. Right? When it's I mean, good. If your selection sucks, that's different, right? But I, I mean, like, <laughs> if you find the right person and and you want to build something, yeah, we can often default to, well, this is going to break up. I, I got to figure out how this is going to break up. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I need to figure out how we can make this work. So uh, that's the dynamic yeah. shift I was thinking of. Because in the past, I try to make everything work. Mm-hmm. Everything when it's like. This man is literally going to the bathroom and snorting cocaine. Why am I trying to make this work? <laughs> See, that's yeah. a selection like, issue. Do you know, my picker is bad. <laughs> it is bad. But, and so that's really more what I was thinking of. But then I was also thinking of when you guys were talking, this probably is going a totally different direction than you expected. But I was like, how can we learn about ourselves? What are our emotional needs that we know are going to be needed to be met in the future? Yeah. So that we can kind of be prepared to learn and tell a future partner or show a future partner, like, this is what I need. Like, yeah. knowing that you need to be seen, things like that. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think would be helpful to learn beforehand before going into a relationship? Well, I feel like that can become a trap. 
okay, so the people mm-hmm. that love therapy and the people that <laughs> have all, you know, they like know all about themselves. It can sometimes honestly be a trap when they kind of go to a partner and say, okay, I've already figured it all out. And mm-hmm. these are the things I need. And I think this yeah, is hitting on what you're saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're not these things, then this isn't going to work. Sure. So I think that's, it can be a trap when you kind of get in this rigid kind of idea of mm-hmm. what it's supposed to look like or hey I have all the answers now I've done all the work so now I just need to go and find the person that fits the mold perfectly no yeah. because that is not a relational idea right mm-hmm. that is not the figuring out how we fit and how we can work together and so I don't let's see take me back to so how do you not over prescribe other people's behavior then was the other yeah, side yeah. of that It sounds to me like you're suggesting you don't need to overly worry about what Barbie asked, like finding out your styles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do. Like there often I have people Mm -hmm. coming and be like, well, I am an anxious avoidant Mm -hmm. and it's very not very typical for some. I am a very avoidant because they don't come into therapy. That's true. (laughs) They typically come into therapy when their anxious partner brings them to therapy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more of the dynamic. And so you can see how that anxiety can kind of be the fuel of trying to hyper-focus on trying to figure myself out so that I can then prescribe how other people need to be in in interaction with me. And so that that rigidity can get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about self-exploration, that is not to figure out this like cookie cutter version of yourself to be able to go and find a partner Mm -hmm. it is so that you can understand yourself in relation to different people you change depending on who you're in relationship to Mm -hmm. right doesn't that seem right absolutely depending on who i am i'm a different version of myself in just about every relationship Mm -hmm. and so that needs to be taken into account when we have a general idea of what it means to matter in a relationship that it can be helpful but I'll give you an example I like with my own husband he has taught me through just being in relationship with him some ways that I didn't know I needed him to be with me so one of those is like giving me emotional space to just feel my emotions I don't think I would have been able to go to somebody and say, this is what I need. I need mm-hmm. to do this, this, and this, <laughs> right? It's through that interaction and that dynamic where I figured out with him, alongside him, oh, this is something that helps me feel safe. And I and I do the same for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't know that a little bit of prying helps him process through things kind of along the way. So it's just a place to start opening up your awareness and having self-awareness. By the way, being aware of you being too aware can be helpful, right? Yeah. Or like Mm -hmm. trying to, like I do that. I get in my head and try to like make everything make sense and get cognitive about it. And and so that's another piece of the self-awareness and just to know, oh, that's me. There I am. I'm doing it again. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Is that? Yeah. I mean, but it's at some point again, we're talking about this how do we how do we know where we begin or we where we end and the other yeah. person begins yep. and and how this dynamic between two people becomes its own beast in a way right and so it does. so how do i know how much is okay for me to have we'll use the word boundaries even though i think that's thrown around a lot yeah. how do you ha- have a sense of boundary 
with who you are and who you need to be and invite someone else into that space without dictating the mm-hmm. only way that they can be in, in that, that space. space. Yeah. How do you accept the person and who they are mm-hmm. and at the same time have expectations of who they are in the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, I would say, a, a balance of... Uh, and I don't even like that word. Balance gets thrown out a lot, too. <laughs> um, but let me just sit with that for a second because... Yeah, we can edit it out. Go ahead. Yeah. So... <laughs> nope, just sit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have three entities in a relationship. We have you, me, and us. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's it's that relationship piece that's the interaction piece. It's not linear. It's not... It's like everything affects each other. So the more anxious I am, for example, that's going to invite a different response from my partner. So the more anxious I am, then the more critical I become. And then when I'm more critical, my partner feels worse about himself. Mm -hmm. And then when he's worse about himself, then he shows up. He's kind of like shrunken and small. And so he's not like meeting not showing up confident and not meeting my needs. Mm-hmm. Well, does that mean bec- that he's an like an insecure, non-confident person? No. It means mm-hmm. that he was reacting to a dynamic in the relationship where he was feeling small because of the way that I was interacting with him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't define, we're not, it's, there aren't defined behaviors. We are re- reacting to the context in which they're happening. We're reacting and responding to each other. And so it's not him and it's not me, but it's what's going on between us that becomes the issue. Mm -hmm. That's curious, too. I wonder sometimes when people are in a relationship and going back to the breaking up part, Mm -hmm. do people often break up because they don't like the other person? Yes. They don't like themselves or they don't like the us? Which yes. which version <laughs> which version tends to be the most common? Because the it's not you, it's me is obviously this blame yes. game. But the reality is, is sometimes people can very much like who they are, but they don't like who they are in the relationship, yep. the us version. Yes. I would say most typical responses, it's them, right? It's, it's uh, the other it's person. It's the other person. But they don't want to say that because it's hurtful. So then, mm-hmm. right, that's where it, it's that. It's not you, it's me kind of let down. But I think the typical way of dealing with the discomfort of a relationship not going well is to say it's the other person. It's them. Because if it's them, then I don't need to change anything. And then I'll just go on and Mm -hmm. find the next person. I tried. I tried. Yeah. (laughs) I did everything right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so it's real easy to just say, "Ah." and then, and then guess what? You don't have to do much of your own work. Yeah. Uh, You don't need to look at yourself and say, okay, how did I contribute to that dynamic not going well? Was I too demanding? And if I was, what was that about for me? And, and without judgment, where did that, Yeah. what was that demanding part trying to do for me and getting curious instead of judgmental so that you can under, again, come back, coming back to understanding yourself and how you show up in dynamic to other people. Because if somebody is like, for example, highly critical, that comes from somewhere. It's not just you're a bad person and Mm -hmm. you're mean and you, right? It's like that behavior has a reason and a purpose and you need to figure that out. So, you know, when it happens again, you can understand why you can understand, okay, what's going on here and be a little bit more understanding. But yeah, it's, I would say most common is, uh, it's, 
it, there's he's not or she's not who I want. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had a thought that I was like, oh, this makes sense in my brain now, which I don't know if it's going to make sense to either of you. But you know how you were saying like when you said overprescribe and like you go into it and say, I need this, this, this and this and this. Yeah. But then they're not willing to kind of be flexible about any of that or learn more. Okay, so Barbie put that into perspective of when I used to work at a wedding dress store. One of the biggest problems we have with brides is they will fall in love with a picture of a dress. And in their brain, that is their dress. That is it. This is my dress. And I cannot tell you how many times girls would come in with a picture of this dress. And we knew with stylists, I'm like, that's not your dress, but okay. That is not going to look good on you. Yeah, I was like, this is not going to look great on you, but this dress would. So they'll try on that dress and they don't fall in love with it. But then they find another dress that looks absolutely incredible, but they cannot get that first dress out of their head. They can't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, but I know that was my dress. Okay, do you want to put it on again and see how not great you look in that? And we can put you in this other dress that you look great in. And I know that sounds silly, but I tell people all the time, they're like, what's the biggest mistake brides make? And I said, they they fall in love with something before they even know if it fits them, before they even know if it's their Mm -hmm. style. And they're not open to we'll say experts, knowledge of saying, let me guide you because I think I can push you in a direction that's going to make you happier than you ever thought you could be. But they can't get out of that. And so I was just thinking about like when you kind of do get into your own head and you're like, well, I know I need this and I know I need this. And if you cannot give me exactly this, then that's it. We're not going any further with that. And I was like, oh, it's the wedding dress dilemma. <laughs> and so, yeah, there, Barbie put. I'm not as educated as both she of you. She has a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just watching both of you. I'm like, you are both very smart. And I'm just over here, like, wedding dresses. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an awesome metaphor. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, it's very true, though. Like, I was just at a trunk show this last weekend in California, and it was something we ran into again. And they're like, how often does this happen? I'm like, almost every bride. Almost every bride walks in and is like, no, I know what I want. And I know. And like having to explain to them because they'd be like, or they'd see a dress that they and they'd try it on and they didn't love it, but they'd stay in it. And I always have to tell them, I'm like, it's like dating. You can put a dress in the friend zone. You can say it's a fine dress. Friend zone dress, not wedding dress. Uh (laughs) And so... Yeah, you know my life just is all about wedding dresses. All about weddings? 24-7. Yep. No, I, I think that is a, a very appropriate uh, hey, metaphor thanks. and example. And and it's interesting, though, that you talk about it as a, a dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Because she said mm-hmm. you have a relationship to all sorts of people, but you do have it to things, and mm-hmm. it's it's relevant. But it was interesting to me as you were talking about that, the, the thought popped in my head of how often we close ourselves off to certain things because they don't meet this fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I would argue, and this is not a commentary on your profession, whatever. but the wedding industry (laughs) has built up the dress into this magical Excalibur moment where it has to, a light has to shine down from Mm -hmm. heaven or this isn't the right thing. But people do that with relationships all all the time. time. Mm -hmm. Jobs, you name it, but especially in relationships because they have a fantasy of who they Mm -hmm. think they that will make them the happiest but to get back to your three things in a relationship yeah are people really do they have a fantasy about who they oh. are in the relationship oh, yeah. or do they have mm-hmm. a fantasy about who the other person is both and 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 I, I you say both but i got to wonder how much people can actually know what that third us is mm. just by seeing the other person you have to grow into that that's mm-hmm. you, that's a, a nebulous thing that 
gets created when two people choose to create it, mm-hmm. not because that person is six foot two and mm-hmm. uh, bald and blue collar. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he Barbie. knows this. What I find attractive, I do like a blue collar man that's um, bald. <laughs> but I guess the idea there again is as how you you. Is it even possible to know what your dynamic is going to be, that that third us? I think that's why we date. That's mm-hmm. absolutely and why we date. And how long does, then does it take to know? I mean, some people say, oh, you know right away. I don't yeah. know that you can always. Yeah, people I, surprise themselves. I, I think that's very true. You don't know who you are in relation to this other person until you experience life with them, until mm-hmm. you have experiences with them. The whole, like, you know thing, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. And some people swear by it. And some people say, you know, I just knew. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but yeah. general advice would be share experiences with them and notice and put on your, you know, your your glasses to be able to see clearly, like, what is going on here? And who am I in relation to this other person? And be aware of the fantasies. You know, am I thinking that it needs to be something else? And... Uh, I mean, there's so many pieces to be able to navigate and understand. Yeah. So I love, I love how you, how you put that, Nick. Like, you know, by the way, it, it almost, the way that you said it, it's like you and me and us, the you and me is also very fluid, right? Sure. We're not mm-hmm. static. We're people. not static. So we are all changing and all growing and all developing. So like who my husband was 18 years ago. Not the same person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who I was 18 years ago, not the same person. Thankfully, we've we've learned <laughs> and grow, right? And um, I think we need to kind of generally, especially people that find themselves wanting to exit so quickly, I think that can be a real hopeful stance is to say, okay, like we can build it. We don't just have to see if it's there. We can understand it and build it and create it. And so, yeah, I think that's... Mm-hmm. I like that. Good job. I think that's good. job. <laughs> good job. I feel like that's a good ending point. We can pat and ourselves just, on the back with that one. We did so good. Look at us. <laughs> Having real conversations. It's just making me think. I'm like, okay, what do I need to change or what do I need to do? Well, all right. Well, again, Michelle Pomeroy, we love you. We think you're awesome. We're going to have her oh, for another episode, you. hopefully, if there's time. Again, if you're looking for a therapist, I really cannot recommend her enough. Go to diagonal.house. She is wonderful. You're located in Murray? Midvale? Sandy. 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 Yep. Sandy. And she's just just the cutest little thing. You're just oh. so little. I always see you and I'm like, I could just put you in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so she also, Kristen. Uh, Sokol. Sokol. Yes. Refers a lot of people to you. And yeah. we talk about Kristen all the We're time. We're good she's, friends. Oh, she's one of my favorite she's people. She's awesome. She's so great. So if you need either of those, Kristen or Michelle, you can always reach out to them directly, reach out to us. We are happy to put you in touch. And if you have any ideas of things you want to hear from us, let us know. Otherwise, we'll talk to you soon.